The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. For every $25 you bet on college basketball, WinBet is giving you a chance to win a trip to Las Vegas for March Madness and $1,000 in free WinBet credits. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. Ross, we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. Ross, we're brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, make sure you download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome everyone to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday afternoon, February 21st. I know there's no games, but hey, we're going to keep on grinding on the NBA Gambling Podcast. There's always something to talk about that's happening in NBA. So a great show planned for you guys today. And joining me as usual to break everything down in the NBA on these Monday, Tuesday episodes. My main man on the East Coast, Zach Broner. Zach, how you feeling this Monday afternoon, buddy? I'm feeling good, man. I was actually just thinking, like, usually we record at night and I don't even know if you notice this, but I have like a weird lighting in my room. So my face is always like not visible <laughs> yeah. because they're, I don't know if that affects you or not. So I apologize if it does, but right. We're recording in both my old apartment and my current apartment was an issue, but we're recording during the day. So happy president's day. Hopefully people have off work college basketball today. So no, no NBA to bet, but glad to uh, have the day off and yeah, excited to record today. No games to get to. So could feel less bad about, you know, spending 30 minutes breaking down what, what Goran Drogic is going to mean to Brooklyn's second unit. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, the, I know, again, there's no games uh, until I think Thursday, but it, there's always something happening in the NBA, right? When we talked about it with, you know, All-Star Weekend, um, you know, a few signings, a few injury news. And then, you know, we, we were doing the division uh, roundabouts. We were doing the Western Conference and Terrell and Scott were doing the Eastern Conference. I know we had one division left. I think it kind of sets up very nicely with some of the news that happened this weekend. So we'll get to that. So guys, the plan for today's show is we'll recap all-star weekend. You know, what we saw, what was fun, what was not fun. Um, we'll get to some news uh, surrounding Chris Paul and Goran Dragic. And then we're going to dive into the Pacific division. The only one that we have left to kind of discuss here. So we're going to keep it casual. Hopefully we keep you guys entertained talking about some NBA here. So Zach, um, first and foremost, we had episode number 300 last week, last Friday. I know you were not able to join, but it was me, Scott McKee, and Terrell on that episode. It was a lot of fun. We talked a lot about the All-Star Weekend. We talked about the kind of what has, at least the growth of what's happened with the NBA Gambling Podcast. And McKee gave the backstory of how we all got started. But a lot of people or a lot of listeners that maybe are new this season or the past couple seasons – you're one of the OGs of the NBA gambling podcast that uh, uh, McKee created on the sports gambling podcast network. So, you know, generally I just want to kind of get your thoughts of what you've kind of seen from when you and McKee started to where we are now. And if you have any memories that stick out or, or 
just want to kind of give you the floor to talk about how we've now or gotten to the point where we are with the NBA gambling podcast. Oh yeah. And that, that episode was really good. And it's been, it's been such a, it's been amazing. I mean, it's been, it's, it's really been incredible. I think it's one of those things where it's easy to say that like, Oh, it's been incredible. That's something people say, but to really see the organic growth, I mean, just from SGPN, I think I've said this in the past, but like when I started off, you know, the podcast, I felt like I discovered something absolutely out of nowhere. I remember I was sitting on a family vacation. This is 2015, randomly listened to an episode of Sean and Ryan with like Colby and maybe it was like Bowser or somebody else that was, yeah. <laughs> you know, breaking down college basketball games. Like out of nowhere, I just found this podcast uh-huh. and to go from that moment to where we are now. And, you know, I'll start even with this season with you, Terrell and Scott, how much things have grown. It's been so amazing obviously i was out for the beginning of the nba season but the amount of growth that we've seen on social media i remember when i mean i'm sure you remember this too we were celebrating getting like 50 and 100 people on the slack channel now we have like four yeah. times that yeah. it's active every single night i remember mckee we, we would we used to open the podcast we would be talking offline like okay what can we do to kind of drum up some discussion like on social media or the slack channel or stuff like that getting reviews and now it's like grown so organically and listeners you guys are what makes it possible so everyone that has been listening thank you to you um for me personally yeah the podcast has grown immensely i remember when mckee first asked me if i wanted to do it that was when in the it was called the nba odds pod yeah um like i I think the name now maybe a little bit better no offense to mckee (laughs) but um (laughs) no and then just kind of finding our stride and then me and you last year, that felt like it was an absolute dream team, you know, working yeah. together and realizing how similar we saw things in the game. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when when McKee was g- going to start stepping away a little bit, then it was like, okay, you know, Munaf's going to step in. We had never met other than the Slack channel. And mm-hmm. then now I feel like, you know, we just had a great uh, ability to kind of, you know, conversate and make these podcasts. You and Terrell, same thing. And that's yeah. kind of one of the special things behind the scenes is like, we all, we never met um, all five of us, I guess, including, you know, including Scott and McKee, but feel like, you know, we're, we've been working together really well and friends behind the scenes. So yeah. Credits all the listeners. That's where it starts and ends with. Yep. And it's been fun and, you know, 300 more podcasts, hopefully to come um, and just keep growing this thing. It's just every single, seems like every month, every, every, you know, three months, six months, Kramer is posting some update in the Slack channel. It's just like, Holy shit. I remember uh, last week he posted the download numbers in the, in, in, in our Slack channel for the NBA gambling podcast uh, yeah. people. And that was just like incredible. So yeah. Um, good stuff. I mean, you're, you're kind of the, the, you're like the featured on ball creator right now. You know, you're, you're in that Luka <laughs> Doncic role. We're, we're running a ton of pick and rolls for you. Um, so it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I didn't join until last season, you know, like you mentioned with, you know, you, myself, and even Dan. And I know Dan, we're going to get back. Dan wants to get oh, back. Oh, yeah, shout out forward. to Dan, too. I forgot yeah, about Dan. Yeah, I mean, Dan Dan has been crazy busy with with the with the Action Network job. But, you know, we, we had some conversations offline after NFL season was over to get him back in the fold, whether it was NBA Gaming Podcast or the PropCast or the NBA. But, you know, we've created an absolutely fantastic team between the five, six of us that we have for the NBA Gambling Podcast. And like you mentioned, you know, we, we've gotten to heights now where it, we've seen crazy growth. And, and, you know, like you said, another 300 podcast or another 300 episodes. Who knows? We might be top 10, top five in the entire country. And I think that's the kind of goal that we've kind of set out for ourselves over the next year as we kind of grow this thing. But, yeah, I just want to shout you out. 
you know, McKee and, and all of the, all of the co-hosts and things that are happening behind the scenes for the NBA gambling podcast. So it's been a lot of fun. So I definitely wanted to get your thoughts uh, about the yeah. NBA gambling podcast. No, and definitely shout out to you. I remember in like, it's definitely not easy to talk every single day. Obviously having the betting lines makes it a lot, um, gives you kind of more structure, yeah. but even just like the people out there that have NBA podcasts that don't do gambling, oh. it, it's really, um, if you're able to connect with your listeners, which we, we hope that we are able to do, it's not, easy so you the amount that you've taken on sgpn is very impressive um with football basketball baseball and um the level of activity in the website and everything like that so definitely um the hard work is i'm sure the listeners notice as as well but it's really it's awesome yeah 100 percent, man again we wouldn't be here without you know sean and ryan of course you know we jacked we joked around on the episode 300 but now without the sports gambling podcast then right none of us would be able to do uh this here but you know, what we've seen from growth over year over year, not only just NBA gambling podcast, but sports gambling podcast network. It's been absolutely crazy. So there's a lot, a lot uh, of potential growth still coming for us. And, and, you know, we're slowly, slowly starting to see, you know, what this might become for the sports gambling podcast network. So definitely excited to be along in the journey of the ride with, with not only just NBA gambling pod, but all the hosts across the sports gambling podcast yep. network. So it's, it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, Zach, we had All Star Weekend this weekend. I, I don't know how much how much of it did you catch this weekend. Um, I, I saw, I watched the the rising. The, the, no, I, on Friday night I watched the uh, the celebrity game. Okay. <laughs> I my only takeaway from that is I actually my heart raced when that uh, that girl like tried to do a chase or, or looked like she was going to go for a chase down block on Miles Garrett. I don't know if you watched that game at all. I called the t- tail end of it. <laughs> Miles Garrett had like a breakaway dunk and like it in it got contested from behind like a low key scary play. That was oh. one of from that. Um, Saturday night I saw the three point and the, uh, dunk, the contest. dunk contest. Dunk contest. What do you think? Pretty underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, look, we we've we've been spoiled by getting to see Vince Carter. And I tweeted this out. We've been spoiled by seeing Vince Carter, Jason Richardson, the battles between Zach Levine and um, Aaron Gordon. I mean, those were incredible dunk contests. Something needs to change. I don't know what it is, but I, I think that personally something does have to change with a dunk contest. Either we're not getting the best of the best athletes out there to be in the dunk contest. Like I want to see guys like John Moran, John Moran out there. Um, I would love to see Aaron Gordon out there again. I mean, I just feel like that the level of competition or the or the guys that are great dunkers and no offense to the guys that were in the competition this year, but you know, those, those days of where we saw Levine and Aaron Gordon going at it. I mean, those are some of the best memories from the NBA dunk contest. But I personally, I think something has to change you. Yeah, no, I don't remember like in the, the whole multiple attempt thing. I, for me, that's what, that's what ruins it. Like yeah. the second they missed the first dunk, I, I, my energy is gone for that yeah. attempt because you know what they're going to try to do. Yeah. And then the, even when they do make it, it's like, okay, but the payoff's not there because you already saw the plan. Yeah. So to me, I, I think that it should be, I don't know if it's one and done or saying like just emphasizing to the participants, like don't do a dunk that you're not going to make because just the second they miss that first dunk for me, that sucks the energy out of yeah. it. It's like the Jalen Green dunk I thought was actually pretty good. Or yeah. But it's like when you miss it, that's why the OB top and the final dunk, but the, I feel like the energy was kind of gone by then. That yeah. final dunk was kind of nice the way that – Mm-hmm. The tap against the B board. Yeah. Um, but I saw you had a nice betting night with the, uh, you, you hit OB on the twin, the dunk contest. That was nice. Yeah. We, we had discussed this on, uh, when we did the NBA or sorry, the all-star weekend picks. And, uh, I had OB top. I think I was the only one to pick OB top. But I think everybody hit 
somebody everybody hit something i think in every single contest so far this weekend so again you know just out here picking winners um for our listeners nba gambling podcast so uh that was fun yeah um i caught the were you surprised to see cat win the three-point contest i don't know what were were his odds going in he was was i think he was a long shot favorite he was uh i think 12 or 13 to 1 i think he had the longest odds huh yeah no i mean I, I wasn't surprised. I think it's it's one of those things that can like finally. I mean, he he is a very well heralded heralded player, but he is one of the arguably one of the greatest offensive big men of all time, and like yeah. he has the pretty much the ideal skill set to scale with other great wing and guard players. Um, yeah. That his ability to you know, winning a three point contest that's like what we want. Like Kristaps Porzingis, Miles Turner to be like Cat is the absolute pinnacle of that type of player. Mm-hmm. Plus, he could do stuff in the post too, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, the three point contest was good. And, um, the dunk contest that, that kind of, I feel like that's the most hyped up thing, but to me, I, I enjoyed the three point, the skills challenge more just because the dunk contest lacked that energy. Did you see the, uh, Scotty Barnes and Tyrese max? He, uh, I, I forgot what ch- it's yeah. called the clutch challenge or something like that, but I, I was laughing my ass off when, Scotty Barnes went like oh of a six from that little hook shot <laughs> right there in the yes. paint. Scotty was getting roasted on Twitter. Yeah, it, it was funny just to see the reaction of the guys that were sitting on the bench as well. Like after the after the second miss or after the third miss, the guys were just going crazy on that bench over there. The guys that were participating in there, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. But they got yeah Halliburton and uh, Desmond Bain won that competition. That was fun. But then going over to Sunday, Zach, um, it was pretty much a Steph Curry show, man. <laughs> It was just incredible yeah. to see what this guy was doing from the second quarter, second quarter going forward. Uh, takes home the all-star game MVP breaks two records within the same game of, I think three point shots knocked down. I think he made what 16 out of 21 last night, something crazy. Uh, the crazy. ball. Yeah, it, it was, it, it was an ocean for him when he was launching the ball out there, but um, yeah, Steph Curry just absolutely brilliant last night in the uh, all-star game. Yeah, what did you – so, Steph was awesome, obviously. What's your thoughts on, like, making serious takes about the – all? because I saw on Twitter last night, there were some accounts that I follow, credit to them, trying to, like, break down, like, okay, like, what does this mean? To me, the All-Star game is kind of – it's just for fun, right? But I feel like there were kind of people extrapolating, like, oh, and – my like is Steph Curry gonna break out of his slump now because he went sixteen and twenty one in the All Star game? Like I thought, I, I was kind of reading into like late in that game. Like I thought Giannis really started trying hard. Like yeah. Devin Booker was going pretty hard as well. I noticed that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you read into any of the All Star game either X's and O's? Like this player is this good, or even like legacy and narrative type stuff? I I think that for Steph, I kind of do read into it for guys that. You know, mainly mainly the starters, right? Guys like LeBron and Giannis and Steph Curry, guys that kind of have this resume where, number one, okay, they have a ring. They have a finals MVP. Giannis has that defensive player of the year award. For some of those guys, their only thing that's kind of missing is all-star game MVP. And I think that's something that Steph Curry was able to add to his resume that he's, yeah, he's a champion. I'm not sure if he's won in uh, finals MVP yet, but he he holds the... He's, he holds a record for three-point shots made in NBA history. So it's just adding another trophy to that trophy case, right? And, um, you know, we've seen LeBron do it. We've seen now Giannis do it. 
Steph Curry adds that to his resume. So I think there's something there for guys like that to kind of just have that MVP award in an all-star game. That's kind of my thought process that kind of goes behind this. And I think when I went back and listened to the episode 300, I think the first name that I shouted out was Steph Curry to win the MVP at plus 750. The number kind of came down to plus nice. 650, but there's two other guys that I did mention, DeMar DeRozan, I think Luca, I also mentioned, but um Stars, the the stars are going to shine when it, it would imagine most. But I think Zach, get your thoughts on this. I think the greatest move has been adding the Elam ending to the All Star game, which makes it so fun to watch. Yeah, the Elam ending is great. I mean, I think it would be weird to bring it over to like real games, but I think yeah, like if if they end up doing that in season tournament, which has been rumored like for the last like five years, yeah, um, I would like to see them use the Elam. I think it's a real like it makes the end of the game really exciting, so long as it doesn't end on free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there was a lot of spread and total intrigue with that with the ending of that game, right? It was it came down to the wire. It did. So I think the especially on the total, because I think the total opened up, and I don't want to misspeak, but it was around thir- 318 and a half. And I think it closed at 324 and a half, 325 in that range. And it, and it ended up right in the middle at 323. But I think we hit the handicap on the on the on the head when we talked about the picks is that wait for a live number. If you do like the under, uh, because typically we see the first quarter, first half, not much defense is being played. Right. So on a live number, you might be able to get a even better number in the range of three thirty and a half, three forty and a half. and a half. I think a couple guys in the Slack channel last night were able to pick up a very inflated number when, you know, there was no defense being played in that first and first quarter in that first half. So um, yeah, there's a way of tying in the gambling perspective. I think that, 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 that's a way to kind of attack all-star games. Uh, I think Terrell probably was the only one from the four of us that had uh, Durant plus the points or team Durant plus the points. And he was able to nail that with uh, the Zach Levine three there at the end. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good game. We got, honestly got pretty intense. And then I always like, especially with this year, how wide open all these, like all these star players go back to their teams. Um, and now it's like, okay, like you, these guys are all hanging out, but now it's like, actually, especially in the East, like all these guys are about to go to war. And I thought it was really, was Jimmy Butler hurt or he just didn't want to play. I, I just think like, he's not it doesn't seem like his vibe anyways. Yeah. That's just, Jimmy yeah. And Butler, then, right. Yeah. But like, for me, it's like Jimmy, how competitive he is, how much of an alpha he is. Like, I feel like he's like, I don't, I, I'm just here to like show up. And then it's like, I'm going back to Miami and it's like full sprint mode ahead towards a, a title um okay. so that game yeah that game just got me excited for the playoffs i mean it's just it the level of talent right now is insane and all those guys are going to be factors i mean for the most part right like every single yeah. one of those guys is going to be involved in some way you know it's kind of funny lebron is like the one who might not be there <laughs> right that, yeah. yeah but um no it's fun I, th- I believe I want to say Eric Spolstra was the coach uh, for. He was the coach of the other team. I saw Jimmy sitting next to Monty Williams, but maybe, maybe, okay. maybe Spo just said like, "Don't put him in." I mean, yeah. I, I doubt he wanted to play anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there, you know, it's out there that you know maybe certain guys don't want to be out there for certain minutes or they're valuable to their team. I mean, going forward for the playoff or playoff push, like you mentioned in the Eastern Conference. But um, yeah, Seth Curry gets the MVP, uh, fifty point game for him last time. He was going for the record. We saw it towards the end of the game where he's trying to get up that three to beat Anthony Davis's 52-point record, but uh, he sets the three-point record um, in the All-Star game. But anything else from All-Star Weekend you want to touch on, Zach, before we get to some NBA news? 
Um, I guess I, I could kind of transition into the news. We didn't have this in the agenda, but what do you think this is kind of involved in both? What do you think of Zach Levine playing in this game and like playing kind of heavy minutes down the stretch when he's saying, or there's been reporting that he has lingering knee pain and he doesn't feel right. And he's like status seems to be somewhat ambiguous for the rest of the season. Yeah. So we were, uh, Talking about this on uh, episode 300 is like, why is Zach Levine even out there? So, I, And then I went back and looked on Twitter uh, at some of the credible sources, and they said, probably he's been clear to play. So like he's going to be back playing for the Chicago yeah. Bulls the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a head-scratcher for me on why he was out there for or at least for that many minutes. Um, but, hey, if he's cleared and, and he feels right, yeah, sure, put him out there. But... I think you're more important to your team, obviously, in the second half of the season for the Chicago Bulls. You're, you know, making that push for number one yeah. seed, number two seed. But yeah, I was definitely interested, or it was definitely interesting to see him out there. But I mean, you know, if he's feeling fine and and the team is okay with it, I think you know there's no reason for him not to be out there. I guess right because it is was his first or second no, All Star game. Yeah, I know, agreed. And then it definitely is one of those things where it's like I'm trying to think if I was in. Like, as a fan, I say the All-Star game isn't that important, but imagine being a younger person. You literally grew up watching LeBron, Kawhi, et cetera, KD. Yeah. Like, that's obviously really special. So credit to him for making it there and obviously get to uh, cash in the opportunity. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Zach, let's put a bow on All-Star weekend. Uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we will come back and get to some NBA news uh, that kind of transpired over the weekend here. So we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. WinBet has a massive college basketball contest. The grand prize winner will receive a reserved seating area, four seats, at the world-renowned Win Las Vegas Race and Sportsbook for the early round action of college basketball tournament, as well as two rooms at Win Las Vegas for a two-night stay. In addition, they will be awarded with $1,000 in free bets on WinBet. Any WinBet patron that places a minimum $25 wager on college basketball during the promotional period will become eligible for the prize, and players can take advantage of the offer immediately. There is no limit to the number of entries that a patron can receive into the grand prize drawing. For example, if a patron wagers $1,000 on college basketball during the promotional period, they will receive 40 entries. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Roster brought to you by IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's really that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, and even devices like your Fire Stick. Where When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
that's like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use prom promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. Promo code SGP. All right, coming off of the break, um, I'll start with the the first news that came actually this morning. I think the second part of it, the CP3 just kind of ties into the Pacific Division that we're going to be talking about today. But um, obviously the news, we heard about the buyout markets happening after the trade deadline. Goran Dragic, uh, a player that was bought out by, I believe it was the San Antonio Spurs, get the news this morning that he is signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, for the rest of the season, when initially when I heard about the CP3 injury news that came out, I thought that the Suns would probably make a huge push for Goran Dragic to kind of come in there. That it'll probably be a natural fit because he was with the Phoenix Suns earlier in his career. But the news came down from Shams and Woj that Goran Dragic is now signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, initial reaction to this news, uh, Zach, about Dragic. Uh, being signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Nope, oh, you're on mute. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, there's a report, I guess, from Mark Stein that Steve Nash was like the key uh, reason, the key push okay. to get him to come there. I think it kind of sheds an interesting light on the Nets' power structure. Like, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like the whole like LeBron, the the GM stuff. Yeah, you have the kind of the KD GM stuff and Steve Nash, I feel like is kind of like the perfect coach in this environment. Like, cause he is basically a, a recent superstar. I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, uh, Goron, I think is a good, it's obviously a good signing, right? You're, you're replacing Javon Carter with Goran Dragic. Right? It can't be bad. Mm -hmm. I think that the buyout market can tend to be somewhat of a false promise. Although the Goron situation is not a typical buyout. Like he, it, there's really no, word on how good he would have been if he just played a normal role for a normal team the beginning of the season you know he wasn't anything crazy for Miami last year um you know I think it was around like 13 points on like you know average efficiency um but I think he could bring them an extra option I think for the Nets they're like now really deep in the backcourt especially when Kyrie's available um but they don't really have many like true wings like I mean they have I guess Bruce Brown. I mean, they have Ben and KD, but to me, those guys are both like they're they're missing a th a, a Jay Crowder type. You know, um, sure. they don't have that on their roster. They have Bruce Brown, who's like this really funky type of offensive player. Mm -hmm. Plays like a basically plays like a center. You have Kessler Edwards, who kind of can be that guy, maybe, but obviously super unproven. You know, Cam Thomas is more of a shooting guard. Joe Harris, his health, if he can get back healthy, I think he's going to be a really key kind of piece for them. Who do you think closes games for Brooklyn? I mean, is, is Dragic, are you seeing him as like a 15-minute-per-game guy or a potential like play the entire fourth quarter? And obviously a key part of this is Kyrie's availability at home because I think his role is going to be based a lot off that. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, they're really loaded at that guard position. right? right? I think this kind of tells me maybe that they're going to possibly take their time with getting Ben Simmons on the court here. Um because okay. you add Goran Dragic to the fold, right? I mean, this guy can, like you mentioned, get you 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He can probably go out there and get you maybe 20 to 22 minutes a night if you need it. 
Um, and then the whole Kyrie situation with him, again, being on a part-time basis. We're starting to see a lot of these mandates starting to get lifted from not only here in the States, but also around the world, right? I think this, I think I saw yep. today where England lifted all the COVID restrictions and now they're, you know, trying to get back to full, you know, normalcy there. So who knows, maybe in the next couple of months here where we see that when it's playoff times that we see, you know, Kyrie can, is they going to be able to play in home games? But as far as going back to your question about closing games out, I think that the offense defense substitutions that we kind of see in late games from coaches, I think that's a this is a great example of it for the Brooklyn Nets where you can sub in Ben Simmons for defense, bring in Gordon Dragic for offense if you need it that way. But um, for Dragic, I think he's going to be a key contributor in that second group. Obviously, you know he's still a guy that can shoot the basketball. He can get to the, he can create his own shot. He can get to the basket, set up other teammates. A great pick and roll guard. Um, you know, a big signing for them, obviously. But I think you'll still want to see Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Aldridge and then a, I think a Joe Harris type closing out for the Nets. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have they have so many options. Yeah. outside of outside of Ben. Yeah, Seth uh, Curry. I forgot to say his name. Yeah, outside of Ben, Kyrie, KD, they have all these centers. Like they have Claxton, Drummond, Daron Sharp, um, Aldridge. Then they have. I, I think Ben Simmons is gonna hopefully be back pretty soon. It's it, it seems like, but we you it know seems it, like you're right. It, it remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, between Dragic, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, um, they have a lot of like different types of guards they can play together or without Kyrie. I think maybe for the Nets, it's like, okay, let's go back to the promise that we once had as we're going to be like the best offensive team um, ever. Like that, that, that was kind of the original promise of the Nets with KD and Kyrie and then bringing in Harden as well. Yeah. Now you have so much shooting with Mills, um, potentially Harris and, and Curry. Um, you know, you have LaMarcus Aldridge, who is like obviously a lethal offensive player still. You bring in Dragic. It's like they could probably put together 48 minutes of special offense. And yeah. then you say, okay, you know, is Ben is Ben Simmons going to get back to that like top five defender type piece? And then we can kind of figure things out around him. Yeah. I see the theory they're going for. I think it's an upside gamble. Dragic, it, to me, I mean, his numbers obviously don't jump off the page from his last full season, which was in Miami. Um, but he did average like 16 per game yeah. in the playoffs uh, in, in 2020, 2021. Um, 16 points per game in the playoffs on 29 minutes, um, a, you know, around average efficiency. So like he could still probably be that guy the year before that. Remember he was instrumental to their bubble run playing 33 minutes a game, average almost 20 points. Um, so he can re- rediscover some of that form. He's a really dangerous piece. I think also, the key is for the Nets that he didn't go to a Milwaukee or Miami or anything like that. I mean, you could say the same thing for some teams out West, but the rumored yeah. destinations like Dallas, you know, the upside scenario of Dragic could be a piece that factors into who wins the title. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the high upside and obviously at a marginal level, but you see what kind of what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. he could play a big role for Brooklyn or Milwaukee in a series and be a reason why they win a series in seven. Yeah. Um, a reason, but yeah, the fact that he's not on Milwaukee, that he's not in Dallas with Luca, that he's not in Miami back in a system that he knows that's a win for everybody else, uh, or, or it's a win for Brooklyn. So um, we will see. I, I don't. I tend to not want to put too much weight on a buyout guy, as I've said. Like Gary yeah. Harris is not going to change the Lakers' fortunes. Yeah, but um, this is a, a unique situation with the. You know, he wasn't. A, he wasn't bought out because he wasn't good enough. It was a mutual decision. Yeah, I think that obviously could have been more serviceable to another team, you know, 
like we mentioned, like Dallas and Milwaukee, and now we can throw in Phoenix in there as well. But um, I think for Brooklyn Nets, offensively, loaded, the biggest question mark is going to be defensively, right? Like maybe it'll get stops when it matters um, in the NBA playoffs this season. But, you know, I think that's going to have to be led by guys like Ben Simmons, like we mentioned, and Kevin Durant. Um, you know, I feel like Kevin Durant's a little bit of an underrated defender just because of his size, yeah. but I think it's going to be led by Ben Simmons here. Uh, but definitely excited to see, you know, when Ben Simmons and, and Kevin Durant are back on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, anything else on Dragic uh, before we move on here, Zach? Uh, no, let's, let's keep going. Yeah, let's get over to the bigger news, and this kind of ties into the Pacific Division. But we uh, we, we kind of talked about this all season, or, or if, not all season, but also in the past, is that sometimes Phoenix is, is an injury away from kind of maybe falling off. But we got the news this weekend with uh, the all-star point guard for the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul is going to be out for six to eight weeks with a thumb injury. Uh believe this is the same injury that Jimmy Garoppolo suffered for the San Francisco 49ers, but a little bit of devastating news here for the Phoenix Suns uh, being without Chris Paul six to eight weeks. I thought Goran Dragic would have fit in nicely for them, kind of taking on that, that role with CP three being out now, but uh, initial reaction, Zach, when you heard about this news about CP three, there was rumors on Twitterverse that we saw that his hand was wrapped and his thumb was wrapped until we got the official news yesterday um, from the Phoenix camp and obviously from Roach and Shums, but where does this kind of put Phoenix Sun or puts Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns for this rest of the season as we kind of get into the final about 20, 23 games here? Yeah, so I believe he will be back for the first round of the playoffs, that right? Yeah. Or it, mm-hmm. it, it, on the timeline. So to me, I'm not too worried about his injury. I mean, there are definitely takes to be had about what losing Chris Paul means for Phoenix. Um, you know, if you run some of the on off stuff, like he, their offense is, you know, he's the, the biggest uh, off like with Chris Paul off the court, it does the most harm to their offense, their net rating to their efficiency, um, especially in the offensive end, like his, his ability to be an engine is what made them, you know, took them to the next level. Um, Devin Booker is obviously a great player, but even like they're, they're still a great team without Devin Booker. I think with Chris Paul, they're a very good team without Chris Paul, a very good team, but uh, just not the same. Yeah. Um, and so this injury matters. The The lucky thing for them is how locked in they've been this regular season. And it's kind of like now you take, now you stop taking for granted. Like they have a six and a half game lead in the West. Um, I feel like that's kind of been a little bit low key for some time now, but I think they still should be good enough to hold off um, Golden State for that one seed. I mean, are, are you worried about that at all? There's like what, like 20 games, le- uh, 24 games left for Phoenix. Um, are you worried about that that at all? Yeah, I, and this was something I was looking at this morning was, um, well, you know, with the NBA All-Star break, it's really not right at, like, the exact 41-game mark, right? And, and the first thing I kind of looked at was strength of schedule remaining in the NBA uh, for, in particular, the uh, Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. So the Phoenix Suns have 24 games left this season. The uh, Golden State Warriors have 23 left. Um, they only have one more matchup left against each other. But I think the difference right now is number one, the Phoenix Suns do have that six and a half game lead here in the for the number one seed, which Golden State trails. But right now for the for the Suns, and this is I think the difference is, is that Suns have the sixth or seventh, yeah, six, sorry, sixth easiest remaining schedule in the NBA versus where the Golden State Warriors have the seventh most difficult schedule remaining in the NBA. So for me, I think that they're gonna be okay 
without CP3 um, for the final, you know, 23, 24 games here. Um, you know, obviously going to have to be led by Devin Booker. You still have DeAndre Aiden. You still have veterans like Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson has really came about this season. Um, so I think they're going to be okay. Um, If it was anything around like four and a half games, Zach, uh, I think Golden State may have caught them. But I think at saying that they have a six and a half game lead and Golden State having the seventh most difficult, uh, sorry, uh, diff, uh, schedule remaining, I think Phoenix will be able to hang on to that number one seed and, and you know, kind of get CP3 back at that point. Yeah, that, that's why this, this injury to me, I'm not like too caught up on it. I mean, I think it's if it does start to affect that first round of the playoffs, you had this, mm-hmm. that really interesting scenario where like, if they get the Lakers in the first round, like that yeah. would be potentially a little bit scary. AD obviously injury concerns of his own. The other thing with the, with the Suns, I mean, with, without Chris Paul, they're still an above 500 team, probably like a, you know, a season long, like four or five seed. I mean, just off the top, maybe that's even conservative. Sure. So I think they're, they're going to continue to win games and golden state. It's not like they're playing that well either. Right. Like they're six and four in the last 10 games. They struggled in February. We're going to talk about them. They have issues of their own for sure. So it's not like they have a juggernaut behind them. Um, in Utah, like 12 games out of first, that's obviously surprising to see with how good they've been recently. So I think Phoenix is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and should you know kind of cruise into the one seed the question is just make sure you have chris ball 100 for the playoffs which uh hopefully if this timeline is anything right but remember it's a reevaluation. we talked i talked about this in the slack channel all year um that every single injury this year is just reevaluation. like mm-hmm. crit, remember paul george is only supposed to be out for three weeks until the yeah. reevaluation. we haven't seen him play since so yeah. hopefully that's not the case here a thumb injury seems like it should be pretty manageable but you never know um, but the, that one seed should be safe. You know, it's going to put a lot of pressure campaigns in, in and out of the lineup as well. Right. He, yeah. I don't, um, he, he's only played 815 minutes this year, appeared in 40 games. Um, Aaron holiday is now someone who has played well in his introduction to Phoenix. There'll be a lot more of a load on his shoulders and Devin Booker, a chance to, um, kind of get back to being that all you can eat on ball guy that he was before Chris Paul got there in the first place. Yeah, and I'm re- I'm seeing that uh, campaign is going to be ready to play in that first game, returning after the All Star break here. So some good news there for the uh, Phoenix Suns. So, I mean, between Aaron Holiday and Cam Smith, and even I think we throw an Alfred Payton's name in there as well. I think they they'll have enough to kind of compensate at least the scoring part of it. But you know, when we talk about Chris Paul, the guy that's an extension of the head coach on the floor and in clutch time, I think that's where it might catch up to them. But now. I mean, you still have a player like Devin Booker on your roster. Hopefully, DeAndre Aiden's able to stay healthy for this team um, going forward. And again, with, tw- with 23 games left here and a six and a half game or six and a half game lead in the Western Conference for that number one seed, I think they're going to be okay. And again, you got also got to give credit to Monty Williams for what he's been able to do this season. But I think now it's really going to matter on how he coaches his team up without having one of his two best players on the floor. So, Zach, I know we said we're going to talk about the Pacific Division here, so let's just jump right into it. It kind of just ties in together here, and we'll just start with the Phoenix Suns here. We know we yeah. talked about the injury here with CP3. We kind of went through the roster here, but right now, uh, like we mentioned, they are sitting at 46-10 and 10 in the Western Conference with the number one seed, six-and-a-half game lead. Um, anything else you kind of want to add uh, We kind of, as we approach the final stretch here of the NBA regular season for the Phoenix Suns? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we can kind of talk about what this team's outlook is for the rest of the season, Sure, you know, tying in the Chris Paul injury, 
maybe a concern is like the whole rest versus rust idea. Like we see with the extra bye week in football, like when we get to the first, the first, the probably the first game of the playoffs will maybe be the next game Chris Paul plays. So it'll mm-hmm. have been a couple months since this whole group played together. Now they've played together, obviously all last year, all of this year at a really high level. Um, you know, they've only lost 10 games this year, but you know, I guess when you look at Phoenix, obviously they will win this division. So in that tough division to win, I mean, I guess golden state kind of lingering there is a deep dark horse, but are the Phoenix Suns the best team in the NBA for you heading into the playoffs? Uh, is that is that kind of how you view everything, or do you view them as part of a larger group at the top? I think they are the best team uh, in the NBA. I mean, it, it's hard to make the case that they're not, right? Just because, I mean, this team is, is really complete. When, when we talk about rosters and we talk about – we talk about, you know, the three levels of the inside rim protection. You talk about your wing defenders and then your guard play, right? You have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, one of the best backcourts in the NBA. You have great wing defenders in Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder, three indeed guys that can lock down opposing players, you know, best offensive guys, and they can knock down the three-point shot. And then you have JaVale McGee and DeAndre Aiden on the inside. So I think, again, you know, I've said this a lot of times on the NBA Gambling Podcast that, Picking up Javel McGee for them was huge this offseason, and it gave them that backup center rim protection that they needed. And even the times where De- DeAndre Aiden was out this season, Zach, Javel McGee stepped up very nicely into that starting lineup for them. I mean, you know, he, he was getting the rebounds, protect, providing that rim protection for them. Uh, me and Scott had talked about this. I feel like that they needed one more piece off of the bench at the trade deadline. They didn't do anything to address that. That may speak higher volumes now because they don't have that guard play. Maybe getting a guy like Terrence Ross or, or an Eric Eric Gordon type would have been huge for them. But it's hard for me not to make a case that right now for where they're at, 48 and 10, number one seed at this juncture of the season, having a six and a half game lead in the Western Conference, I think they are the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah, I think they, they have been the best team in the NBA to date, no doubt. Uh, the, I mean, they're over, I guess, like uh, six, six and a half games better than the next best team in terms of re- record of the regular season, leading yeah. the league in net rating by over a full point. Um, at this point in the season, that's really impressive considering how clumped together basically everyone else is. Um, but the thing with Phoenix that I hesitate with is that they've never – no one really had them as this, like, clear number one um, – yeah. League-wide. Mm-hmm. I personally still don't. I guess I'll start with that. Okay. Um, until they have put on the show in the regular season. Now, to me, playoff basketball is a whole different beast than the regular season basketball. Now, I would, I think they're rightfully like the, the favorite to win the title um, at this point. But if we kind of go back to the playoffs last year, right, they beat that Lakers team. Super impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the wrong side of that all the way. I didn't believe in the Suns last year going into the playoffs. and But then from there, like they never really were thought of as a like even after winning the title, right? They faced the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. They faced the Clippers that were totally destroyed, uh, depleted, and yeah. then lose to the Bucks in a competitive series. But like, I never saw the Suns as this one A title favorite until they put on the show in the regular season. To me, I mean, I'm curious, kind of how you think they stack up in the West. I would say I would put them in the same conversation um, as Milwaukee. Maybe Brooklyn, Miami, yeah. those types of teams uh, in terms of how I see it. Like, I, I would like put them in that group rather than ahead of that group. But, like, how do you kind of see like a Suns Warriors playoff series? What, what do you think you would make that line right now? Oh, man. Um, that series price. Yeah. I would put you on the spot here. I think the books would probably make the Warriors the favorite in that series. Um, but I think it would be right there, like at minus 120. 
minus one twenty five. I think they do the Warriors favored. I would think so. I would think I, so. I would. I, I was gonna say like Suns minus one fifty, maybe. Wow. With, really with, think, okay. Yeah. I would say like maybe Suns both minus teams are healthy. Warriors plus one thirty. Assuming both teams are healthy, I mean. We will see because that would probably t- it would, you it would have two full rounds of playoff like look to get there, yeah. um, but that's interesting. I mean, I, I I think the Suns are a little bit more respect than that, but I would be curious to see kind of someone that like you that's been high on both teams how you see it. That's I'm surprised. Yeah, I think last year you know when they made their playoff run to the NBA Finals, like you said it that they dealt with opposing teams having injuries to significant players, right? Jamal Murray. Um, and then they played what the was it the Clippers um, in the Clippers yeah so and then I think they didn't have Kawhi Leonard at that point and then Paul George and I think you you, you can say the same thing for the Milwaukee Bucks as well right but I mean that's uh-huh. just the cards that they were dealt with like that injuries are part of the game like someone had to get to the NBA Finals and it was the Phoenix Suns and not taking anything away but they were they were dominant Zach in the playoffs without the without some of the key stars for those players but. Let's not forget they got out to a what two zero lead in the NBA Finals against yep. the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, it just kind of tells you how crazy and valuable a player Chris Paul really is because he stepped into this team. You know, after I think it was a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder and catapulted this team to the number one seed, got him all the way to the NBA Finals. He finally got over that hump of getting into the NBA Finals, and you know, again. It, it, it's I feel like there's I kind of see where you're getting at with this. Like there's just something missing from this Phoenix Suns team. But again, we still have to give a lot of credit to what they were able to do. Not only this season, I mean, being at 48 and 10, um, getting to the NBA finals last season, um, you know, hopefully they can carry that into this, this, this season as well in the NBA playoffs. But I just feel like I've, and I've been really high on the Golden State Warriors and I still am. Maybe this was an indication that Steph Curry is getting out of the slump. You're still getting Draymond Green back into the fold for the Golden State Warriors. Let's keep in mind, for the Warriors, they haven't had a game this season so far with Clay, Draymond, and uh, Steph together, right? Yep. We saw that first game when Clay returned, and he was on the floor for that tip-off, but immediately checked himself out, and he hasn't played a game since then. But kind of going back to the Phoenix Suns, anything else from a roster standpoint or future outlook, do you, do you see this team? Let me say ask you this. Do you see this team back in the NBA Finals this season? I see you're hesitating. I'm, I'm definitely hesitating because I'm always skeptical of like the changes in public opinion, right? Like, I, yeah. so to me, I guess that's what I'm missing with the Suns is that going into the season, right? I don't think we had them as I don't think people have them as the best team in the NBA, right? I mean, no. I have I have a 14 to one Suns championship ticket from this year. Yeah. Um, like, and that's like, you, you see, that's the way I think that's why I'm still like holding on to the Lakers and, you know, that's why I'm skeptical of the Warriors. And that's why I'm still holding on to the Hawks and the Nets. Like that's kind of the way that I approach these things. And that is not always, obviously not always right uh, by any means. Sure. Um, so that's like, what makes me skeptical of Phoenix, right? Is that we didn't think that they were this team now based on a relatively small sample um, and not a playoff sample. We're putting them in right in that, in that class. I guess to wrap up Phoenix, we've already kind of touched on the Lakers and the Warriors a bit. Mm-hmm. Do I'll take a step further. I'm going to say they're not in the finals. Do you think okay. they win the championship? The Suns? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they are back in the NBA finals, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win the title this year. And I just feel like 
Okay. Now there's still one more piece missing from this team, um, whether it's off the bench or another, maybe a, a shot creator for this team. Because again, let's say Chris Paul's injury, he re-injures it into the playoffs and they're without Chris Paul for the playoffs. I mean, they're going to be out fairly quickly, right? Versus some of these other teams that have, you know, a lot more depth at, at that star position or that guard position. So I think that that's the one thing that kind of scares me. And we've seen it in the past with Chris Paul, when he was with the Rockets, you know, the hamstring injury, once he left, uh, you know, once he wasn't able to perform or play that the Rockets went down without Chris Paul. And I think that seems to be the same thing for the Phoenix Suns. Um, if they're going to be, let's say a re-injury does happen for Chris Paul that, you know, he's not able to be out there and, and help the team along with Devin Bucker. So that's the one thing that kind of scares me with this team. Um, you want to go from bottom to top or you want to start with the Warriors here? Whatever you want. All right, let's start with the Sacramento Kings. We kind of uh, shift gears here a little bit. And now with the Sacramento Kings, obviously the big trade that happened at the trade deadline and a shocking trade, I think we can say, Zach, is from the past, we've seen that there hasn't been a real clear game plan or what the future kind of holds for the Sacramento Kings. And out of nowhere, they trade Tyrese Halliburton to the Indiana Pacers in return for Demonis Sabonis. Early returns for, I think, for the Sacramento Kings look good with De'Aaron Fox and um, Sabonis paired up together. But where do you kind of go with this Kings team, man? It seems like there's no real blueprint on what the direction is or where they want to go with this team. Um, obviously, with the draft pick of Davion Mitchell, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Demonis Sabonis, you have some pieces that you're starting to put together a roster for contention in the future. But what's your kind of look for this team and what you've kind of seen from this this season at least? Yeah, it's been an up and down season for Sacramento. Um, you know, some moments where it's like, okay, they, uh, I guess, like have a, a, few, a present and a future. Like, I think that, that they're trying to do both, right? They have, they have this like young three guard backcourt, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox is still young, but they also have like Harrison Barnes is playing really well right now. Um, Rashawn Holmes, kind of like a vet center. And they were um, at times like looking like a playing team. You know, they're still trying to chase that. Obviously, I, I liked the sub bonus Halliburton trade. Um, okay. I still do. Um, or, yeah, I like I like for, for both teams. I think both teams kind of got what they wanted out of it. I think Sabonis, he I, I said this on our last show, but the odds are that Tyrese Halliburton never becomes as good as Demonis Sabonis already is. He's only 25 years old and he has roots in the Pacific Northwest. Potentially, you can kind of keep him around in yeah. Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And they needed to balance out this roster a little bit, right? Having three great guards um, doesn't seem like the best use of resources. Like, if you like to fit with Sabonis, I'd obviously rather have two great guards than a big. Um, Davion Mitchell, to me, is someone that when I saw him in person, potentially, <laughs> and you made fun of me for this because I'll admit it was in like a 40-point loss, but one of the best uh, in-person performances I've ever seen uh, from an NBA player, most impressive from a young player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the question for Sacramento was how do they – what's their level of buy-in to the Sabonis, Fox, Mitchell, Core, Harrison Barnes as well um, going into the offseason? Because they're now kind of – the, the idea of chasing the play-in with that Sabonis trade, um, it didn't – like, there are still three and a half games out of it. The Pelicans are also chasing the play-in. The Spurs are also chasing the play-in. Uh, the Blazers have been playing, like, the best basketball out of all four of those teams. So, making the play-in doesn't really seem that likely. They're in last place in that race. Like you said, only, 20, only around 20, 25 games left. So, the question is going into the offseason, like, are they bought into the future of this team? I think that, that with a full offseason together, I think they could be a team that, like, 
not out of nowhere because we see it coming, but like a top five offense, top 10 offense next year. So that that's the idea. I think it's to really build up the offensive upside of this team. The defense is not going to be great with Sabonis, um, but it can be better. Darren Fox can be better on the defensive end. Davion Mitchell can be a guard stopper. Um, so I think it's just going to take conviction to keep going on this path this summer. Sure. Um, they made a big trade already. And now it's like you have your team kind of like, let's go into next season with a clean slate, O and O, and let's like start off the season really hot offensively. But for the rest of this year, um, I think it's about building chemistry with those guys, um, with those key players, and like can just yeah, staying convicted with the with the roster decision mm-hmm. going into next season yeah. and just trying to start off really fast offensively. They've had some really nice offensive performances since Sabonis got there. Mm-hmm. Others not so great. Like it's been up and down. Uh, then they won their first two games and lost their next three. If I'm not if I'm not. Uh, incorrect there so let me check it's yeah. just gonna take sticking to the grind because the plan this year is not that realistic of a goal at this point yeah and um sorry should i mentioned this uh when we was <clears throat> sorry talking about the kings is that their regular season win total prior to the season was at 36 and a half uh right now they're currently sitting at what 22 and 38 i believe yeah and they yeah. in their strength of schedule they do have the ninth most difficult schedule remaining in the nba so with 22 games remaining I think you're right that it's going to have to be that they're going to have to, you know, build chemistry with, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis and Harrison Barnes. Um, I kind of want to go back to and ask you this is, is that last season we saw the Chicago Bulls make a trade for Nikola Vucevic to pair with Zach Levine. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that, but I'm not sure we're going to see the results that the Chicago Bulls had this season. And it's going to depend on what's going to happen in the offseason and what they kind of surround those two guys with because we've seen time and time again, year in, year out at the trade deadline. And Harrison Barnes names has always come up in trade rumors, but the trade has never kind of came into fruition. Do you think that Harrison Barnes is going to be a guy that's going to be on this roster to kind of pair with De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis and Davion Mitchell? Or do you think that they're going to maybe move on and, and try to find another replacement for a guy like Harrison Barnes or a type of player like Harrison Burns? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he he's under contract for one, one more year, but he'll be an unrestricted free agent after that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's a guy. I maybe like. I think they were they the the Sabonis trade did have an element of chasing the play in this year, and that kind of led to Harrison Barnes not being moved at this sure. deadline. Mm-hmm. His name was obviously out there, mm-hmm. so it seems like he'll be there for another year. Um, I like him as a player a lot, and think that his shooting and and wing defense is obviously a key thing to have in between Sabonis and your guards. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't expect too much roster shakeup. Obviously they got, they brought in Dante DiVincenzo. I like that move as well. You know, he could be, he's another guard though. Like, I think it would be nice to have, like you mentioned that, that Bridges Crowder setup, like everybody in the NBA is chasing that. Um, they only have one of those right now at Barnes. Um, so, and then it's like, okay, what, what's the, also the Rashawn Holmes, the Bonda Sabonis decision is also going to be a tough one. Um, as well as, um, and they just resigned. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rashawn Holmes as well. Yeah, they resigned last summer. You know, does he get moved? And then the, I mean, it's it's been so, the Luke Wall and firing was this season, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that, yeah, like that's also another another question for this team going in next year. But like, I'm glad you brought up the Vucevic comparison because that was one of those trades again where we laughed at them at the time because it's like you're chasing the play in this year. Mm-hmm. When I think if you zoom out a little bit, I think like the trade deadline big move is also about the next year. Like right. you get that full off season in tow and then you try to start fast the next season. Um, 
with that acquisition. So that, that's the kind of the Kings blueprint for me. Yeah. And what's, what's nice about the, their situation is that like the Western conference right now is not that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least it doesn't look to be, I mean, it's, these things can change so fast, but yeah. like, it's not that crazy to convince yourself that you could be um, in at the plan at the very least next year um, or even higher. So um, for the Kings, yeah, the rest of the season, I mean, that, that winter is going to be hard to, to get obviously. And now the plan even harder. Yeah. Um, so we will see, but I, I do, I do have somewhat of a positive outlook for them going into next season. Yeah. And last question before we move on to the next team is, Alvin Gentry, do you think that this is the coach of the future for this team or they're going to have to go in a different direction? I don't, I don't know enough to say. I mean, I haven't, I haven't read or seen anything that, that would, that would suggest it either direction of you. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think that he's, he's been I, in the situation a lot. It seems like. Yeah. And it's always the, it always goes back with Alvin Gentry teams is that defensively they're not great, right? Like this season right now, the season long stats for the um, Sacramento Kings, they're number 29 in defensive rating. They're right down there with number 30 with the Houston Rockets. So uh, that that's the area of, of improvement that you're going to have to have to see from this Sacramento Kings team. They're going to, if they're going to want to be competitive or if they're going to want to want to be in not even play in tournament or even playoff contention in the Western conference next year. So that's kind of been the theme of this Sacramento Kings team over the past couple of years is that they haven't been great defensively. So, there's a lot of great offensive talent on this team. You know, De'Aaron Fox, Tabonis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, but that commitment to the defensive side of the basketball. So I think we're just going to have to start for the Sacramento Kings. Um, anything else on the Kings, Zach, before we move on to the next team here? Now let's move on. Yeah, let's get over to the uh, Los Angeles Clippers here. And obviously, you know, last season with the injury to Kawhi Leonard, pretty much going to be out for at least till the end of the year, probably the whole season. Um, you know, there was some rumors or, or news that came about a couple of weeks ago or months ago that he was ahead of schedule uh, with this recovery, but not sure if we're going to see him this season at all. And then obviously the um, injury to Chris, sorry, uh, to Paul George as well with the elbow injury was going to be re-evaluated from three weeks from the time of the injury. That's now been kind of pushed back and we haven't seen Paul George either, but I think for this uh, Clippers team here, uh, Zach, they're right now currently. Let me see if I have the standings here. Um, right on they're out, yeah, they're in eighth place right now, thirty and thirty-one. Uh, the remaining strength of schedule for them, they have a middle of the pack um, strength of schedule left. Twenty-one games left for them coming into this year. Their win total was set at forty-five and a half. Um, with 20, about what, 21 games left for them here might be a little difficult to get there, but I think first and foremost here, Zach is, I think we, for me, at least you got to give Tyron Lue a lot of credit here for what he's been able to do with this team without having your two best players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on this roster. I mean, it's been pretty much all role players that have been carrying this team to 30 wins. If I told you that the Los Angeles, if that the Clippers at the halfway point, or at all-star break, we're going to have a better record than the Los Angeles Lakers uh, with Anthony Davis and LeBron on the Lakers team. Then the Clippers were going to be without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think 95% of the world would probably have laughed at us, but I mean, here they are. They're in the eighth seed. They're in that play in tournament. What has kind of been, I think we can probably call it a success or at least I'm going to call it a success for what the Clippers have been able to do so far this season. 
Yeah, it is a success. I think it starts on the defensive end, right? They've been like a top 10 defense all yeah. year. Um, and I think they have even been like a bottom five offense. Uh, yeah, 26 in offense this season, seventh in defense. Um, and that, like you said, that goes with credit Ty Lue. Like when I look at defense, I think I you put I put a lot of weight on coaching just mm-hmm. because you're not going to have as many individual like stars driving that. Yeah. Um, so credit to him. And yeah, it's amazing they've gotten to this point, 30 and 31. There is some noise that Ty Lue potentially could become, or not Ty Lue, Paul George potentially could be calling back um, at some point down the stretch of the regular season. Um, but where they are right now, it kind of seems like it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, and Timberwolves, like three teams for two spots, um, mm-hmm. those two playing spots. Okay. How do you kind of see – let's say Paul George does not come back. How do you, do you see that they're like a, a foregone conclusion not to make it? Um, or do you think they – I still think they could beat Minnesota. Like they'll be what, like a three-point dog in Minnesota in that game, uh, in, in a potential playing game. So yeah. how do you kind of see their postseason hopes? Or should we focus more of our discussion on Kawhi and PG being back next year where I think they will be right back in that top conversation? Yeah, I think for this team right now, if, I mean, if we if you added, obviously we got Paul George acquired back. This team, this loss was pretty much loaded, Zach. Here, I mean, it's loaded. Yeah, yeah. They added Norman Powell at the trade deadline. I mean, Reggie Jackson was really great for them in the postseason last year. Marcus Morris has really been the guy that's kind of been carrying the offensive load for them ever since Paul George went down. Luke Kennard, another guy that's been off the bench of them. Terrence Mann. Um, they've had different guys really star some nights, whether it's been between. Terrence Mann, whether it's been Luke Kennard. I mean, Nick Batum has had flashes of 30-plus point games. And again, at the trade deadline, they added another piece in Robert Covington and Norman Powell on this roster. So if I told you that, hey, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were going to come back this season and try to make a playoff push here, I mean, where would you kind of rank them with those two guys healthy in the Western Conference? I will, Well, Kawhi, I think, is definitely not coming back, right? Or I don't think he is either. I mean, we saw yeah. that the reports that they said he was ahead of schedule, but you know, when you're dealing with a torn ACL, especially what we've seen in the past with Kawhi Leonard, with the whole load management thing and injury management thing, I would be very surprised to see him back this season. Yeah. So I guess maybe for next year, then I guess the outlook uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but at least for this season, they are right now in that play in tournament. I, I, I like what I'm seeing from Minnesota, but I think right now that playoff experience yeah, or, the LA Clippers would probably give them the edge over Minnesota right now, right? Because last season, yeah. last season, over the past couple of seasons with this roster, I mean, they've they've had that experience where they've been in playoff series. They've they beat, you know, the Dallas Mavericks. They've gotten in contention with, or they beat the Utah Jazz as well. Um, I think that's where I kind of give them the edge. But I would love to see Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Lo in the playing tournament, or at least in the playoffs to kind of give them that experience. But yeah, right now for me, I would probably give the Clippers the edge. But is there really a motivation for them to m- get into the playoffs and make that run or try to make a run or be in the playoffs or versus getting a, I don't know, a higher draft pick? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That, that's a good question. I think I expect them to kind of, they, given that they've made it this far, they also owe their pick probably to OKC based on that trade. Yeah. Like I think. Um, I think we'll see them probably finish in ninth. If I had to guess, they're a game and a half up on the Lakers right now, tied in the loss column, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Lakers can make up all of that ground. Um, so I would probably expect them. Yeah, I would say I, th- I think the Lakers find a way to get in. Um, and then maybe Minnesota or Clippers for that last spot. And then probably get trounced by uh, Phoenix or Golden State in the first 
round, but that would still be a successful season for the Clippers. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, this, this, it's been a tough season, right? Cause when you like say it's very similar to Denver, right? When you have, you kind of are in your prime as a franchise, like in terms of the team that you built, but you were taking this one year hiatus due to injury. It's like a strange, both those teams have really persevered, um, in the face of that. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see uh, what they do end up looking like when they get in that play-in tournament. Their style gave a lot of teams. Obviously, Utah gave them fits last year in the playoffs, yeah. um, even after they had lost Kawhi. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they do have kind of a playoff identity that's hard to deal with. Um, and Ty Lue just phenomenal. But to be at 30 and 31, it's impressive. Um, I would, you know, I would be, I would, I would be surprised, like you said, if they if they make any type of noise beyond just winning in a play. And I think there would be a, a 4-0 or a 4-1 loss in the first round. Yeah, and I think that, you know, then kind of get into the future or next year when you get Paul George, you get Paul George back, you get Kawhi Leonard back. You have a, a, a great supporting cast here. Do we automatically put them into that top three, assuming that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are 100%? What do you think? Yeah, I, I to me, I would, I would make them a tier one contender, assuming those guys are both healthy. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the league looks like next year, but I would assume I would have them right there with Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and and Phoenix maybe. Um, we, we, well, we, yeah, I, I would be – Kawhi Leonard, right, before he got injured, was the best player in the league last year. I mean, he yeah. had KD. Like, it was ridiculous what he did in the first round. Um, yeah. So we, we, we'll see, but I'm, I'm definitely excited for them to be back uh, in the in the picture next season. Yeah. Anything else for the Clippers here, Zach? Before we move on to the next LA team. No. Yeah. Let, let, let's uh, let's move on to the the team that I believe in, and, and you don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that the Lakers have been the the big sexy topic, and not only across yeah. our pods, but I think all across gambling Twitter and even like, you know, the, the, the sports media outlets, whether it's a four letter network, wherever it might be, because obviously in the off season, this team acquired Russell Westbrook to kind of pair with Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James here, their preseason win total was set at 52 and a half. Currently um, the LA Lakers are in that ninth spot um, with a record. Let me see. Do you have that in front of you, Zach? Their record? 21 and 37. Yeah. Tw- <laughs> Sorry, 27 and 31. Okay, yeah, 27 and 31. <laughs> okay, so I was like, they haven't been that bad. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, they're currently in the ninth seed in that play-in tournament bracket, 27 and 31, four games under 500. Um, they are six games behind the Denver Nuggets for that sixth spot, but – the big news for the Lakers and kind of their, what their season has been is that they've dealt with injuries. Um, Anthony Davis has been out about, he was out six weeks. Now he's going to be out another, I think what, four to six weeks again with that foot four sprain. Weeks, yeah. uh, LeBron James was out of the lineup as well. Um, and then the whole integration with Russell Westbrook's play, it just hasn't meshed with this team. And when you have a, uh, the amount of money that you're paying those three players between Anthony Davis, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, the rest of the roster is not going to be very good, right? There's there's times the season where they they had to start Trevor Ariza for God knows what reason. Um, I'm not a believer in this Lakers team. I, I said this last year as well, where I think that they were going to get bounced in the first round by the Phoenix Suns, and they did. You still have some type of hope here, Zach, that this team is going to flip a switch and they're going to make a run in the playoffs. So talk to me, man. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like they—they've been the most uh, talked about team recently. Oh, and let me all sorry. Let me uh, seem like the 
let me say this. They also Go do ahead. have the third uh, hardest schedule remaining in the NBA so far. So I'll, I'll throw that in there as well, but I'll give you the floor here. Wow. That's tough. I mean, I, oh, I, I think to me, I, I completely agree with you. The rational case says that they aren't a title contender. It's similar with the Phoenix Suns, where the case they put on the court so far this season is that they, they aren't a top, they, that they are the best team in the NBA. Um, with, with the Lakers, I just still have that belief that LeBron James, if he does get in the playoffs, he can still be that best player in the world type player. I think at, th- at this point, it, like they're so they're so even. Kawhi, KD, and Brown at the peak of their powers that I don't know which one I would say. But like, I still just have faith that in the inevitability of LeBron James, um, as irrational as that may be, like you say, the the rust fit hasn't worked. Though I think there are like solutions on this roster that they can use more of. Um, I think that starts with definitely a lot more Austin Reeves. As crazy as like it is that we're saying that at this point in the season with Austin Reeves on the court this year, the Lakers have a plus seven net rating, the highest of any rotation player on this team. Uh, Malik Monk is second in that statistic, plus three point three net rating on the floor this season. Um, so I think that the, the bold lineup decisions that they, they need to make. Um, we're kind of starting to see that maybe a little bit. Malik Monk in the starting lineup now. Uh, Austin Reeves played 29 minutes in the game against the Jazz that they won right before the right before the All Star break, where LeBron also played amazing in that game. But you know, I think it's going to come down to playing LeBron at center and trying to maximize the, the upside of this team, despite Russell Westbrook. Right at this point, yeah. like I, I don't think you can. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to going to be a clean fit. Like I think you'll take the rust contributions where you can get them at this point, but the idea that it's all going to mesh together at some point, it's kind of a, a pipe dream. Um, but I just still have faith in LeBron. Um, the, the question for me is like, I don't see the Warriors and the Suns as these inevitable type of teams where it's like they would for sure blow out a LeBron James. Like, like if the Lakers walk into a series against the Suns or the, or the Warriors, I don't think they'd be that afraid. Now, that being said, I am like that press conference after the Lakers Bucks game where LeBron seemed kind of defeated regarding his ability, like the Lakers compared to the Bucks. So they were not as good as them. That was kind of concerning to me. Yeah. Um, and then, but, but I, I just still have faith for some reason. That being said, not going to hit their win total. And if they do get in the playoffs, it's most likely going to be as a, as a seven or eight. So you're probably getting Golden State or Phoenix. And, that's a tough matchup, one that I think the Lakers think that they could win. Yeah, I don't think I don't like if they even get it. I, I think <laughs> it's going to be a repeat of what happened last year between the Phoenix Suns, assuming Chris Paul is healthy and Golden State Warriors. Again, they're on a whole other level. Are the Golden State Warriors and Phoenix Suns compared to this, this Lakers team right now? And they are, they are right I, now. And I think I think Zach, we've kind of go back to last season when the trade, and we don't know how true this is or not about THT and a first round pick for Kyle Lowry. I think oh, that's that was a, so brutal in hindsight. Yeah, in hindsight, now it's it's really. I think that's a trade that they should have made because. I would be in a, we don't know, again, this is all hypothetical. We don't know where this Lakers team would be right now as far as the standings if they had Kyle Lowry instead of Russell Westbrook at that starting lineup or even how they fill out the rest of the roster. Because, again, Russell Westbrook is a guy that's making $44, $47 million this year versus Kyle Lowry who has a lower uh, a price tag on him. And then you could have got better quality players. But I agree about the point about what you said about Austin Reeves. I mean – he's been really good for them this season. And I know he hasn't started any games, but like you mentioned that plus seven net rating with them on the yep. court, um, you know, he's a guy that can knock down that three point shot for you. He's hit some big shots for them. That's got sealed victories for them during the season. 
But again, after Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, there's, I think that there's too much, there's not much there. And then I think they had too much hope for THT um, this season. And he hasn't been, you know, as great as advertised as he was last season. So I think there's going to be significant changes coming in this offseason, obviously. And I think, you know, one thing about LeBron is that he is right, that they're not as good as the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, maybe the Phoenix Suns are even throwing the Golden State Warriors, despite having two of the five best players in the NBA healthy. And I think Russell, the, initially when the, we heard about the news of Russell Westbrook being acquired by the Lakers, I think, and I said to myself, this is the worst trade or a bad boo for the LA Lakers. And it's not a knock on Russell Westbrook. It's just a type of wet player that Russell Westbrook is. He's a very ball dominant player. Last season, in the, when he was with Washington, we were absolutely pounding his player props to go over every single night, whether it was triple doubles, whether it was points and assists, uh, points, yep. rebounds, and assists. Everything was flying over for Russell Westbrook. But the fit right now for what the Lakers were doing last season with Russ, with sorry with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I felt like was a uh, Kyle Lowry would have been a better fit than Russell Westbrook. And they tried it; it hasn't worked out. But again, I think this is going to be a team, the Lakers, that. Yeah, they'll get into the playing tournament with LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy. You're asking them to win one game. Yeah, they can do that. But once they get into the playoffs, I think it's going to be a repeat of last season. We're going to see Frank Vogel gone, and we're going to see, a, I think, a significant roster turnover for this Lakers team. Yeah, Frank Vogel, I would not expect to be in, in the, uh, on the Lakers' sideline next year um, unless they do something crazy in the playoffs. I'm just excited to see it. I think it's going to be, especially for people of our generation, like um, – seeing LeBron, like, he's not going to be at all the favorite, right? I think, like, we've never really seen that before where it's like, okay, I mean, going back to early LeBron, you know, before the the heat days and all that, like, he's going to have to be the one to get off the mat, and if he can do it, it's going to be like, oh, my God, this guy is, is the GOAT or something like that. Yeah. And if he can't, then we can finally stop or me stop feeling this, like, uh, <laughs> ghost of LeBron that he's going to, you know, take a bad team out of nowhere. But, look, the if they can get to, like, a – LeBron AD with Reeves and Monk and then, you know, whether it's Taylor Horn Tucker or Stanley Johnson or Russell Westberg that emerge, like they could still have a very intriguing closing five. Yeah. Um, but we, 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 we will see right now. The thing about the Lakers, is like you can't really have a, it's hard to have a rational discussion about them because they have all this drama around them. Obviously at the trade deadline that, uh, you know, were LeBron and AD consulted about by Polinka with making a move or not that mm-hmm. reporting. It's like, they aren't a good team right now and they're have a lot of bad stuff around them, but you still kind of feel like they could do something in the playoffs that they get in. So we, we will see. I'm I'm really excited to see um, where, where things head. And I also think for them, I mean, they need to win games the rest of this regular season, because I think, um, you know, you don't want to have to rely on winning the two games in the play in, um, and see if you can push up. I mean, they're, they're six games behind Denver. Um, you know, we're talking about the Warriors potentially catching the Suns six and a half. Like, it's, it's possible. So we, we will see how well they can play without AD and then coalesce when he does get back. Yeah, and like, like I said, uh, they have the third hardest schedule remaining here in the uh, NBA. They have, coming out of the break, they have the Clippers twice. They play uh, Dallas. They have Golden State in there. Um, obviously, they'll have Phoenix without CP3, but there's some games in there that are going to be winnable for them. Um, the schedule doesn't look too tough. Um, if you kind of go down some of the Eastern conference opponents, they still have to play. I mean, they have games against Washington, two against Toronto, Philly, Cleveland. Uh, they have Pelicans twice. So it's going to be interesting. Sorry, Pelicans three times. 
um, over the course of the final 20 some games here for the LA uh, Lakers. Um, Zach, one more thing I want to touch on with the Lakers. We saw the press conference with uh, LeBron James during this all-star break. He hasn't shut the door about returning to Cleveland. You know, he said (laughs) that this might be a possibility and, you know, the question kind of raises how many seasons or how many, how much time do you think is left for LeBron in LA? I mean, we heard about, he wants to play his final season with his son, Bronny James. And, you know, he said that if you draft Bronny James and that you're going to get me as well, but you know, the door, he didn't shut the door on returning to Cleveland. So how many seasons do you think there are left for LeBron James in LA? I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's going to be the rest of his career is going to be fast to watch is why this, this these playoffs are so big because if if they don't do anything in the playoffs i think like we can kind of go into next year and put lebron safely out of the conversation for like best player in the nba that kind of thing like oh they're, they're going to be in the playoffs every single year so yeah. at that point does he at that point what does he want to do with his career like, does he want to keep trying with the lakers the roster situation looks kind of dead around him mm-hmm. go back to cleveland um whatever he wants to do he's obviously earned the right to so it'll be we are witnessing, you know, the last handful of years of yeah, one of the top three basketball players of all time. Um, so yeah. it's just, you know, you, we got to just enjoy it while we can and know that every single move that happens from here on out is likely going to be, you know, part of some documentary film made in about 10 years. As we're gonna be looking back on this saying, you know, these are the, the final years. So just enjoy it. And if he does get to play with Brownie, that would be an awesome sight. Yeah. Uh, anything else for this Lakers team, uh, Zach, before we touch on the Golden State Warriors? Nah, but but definitely we know we will be talking about the Lakers plenty the rest of the season. Oh, as yeah. much as we try to spread the love all across, they're just too fun to uh, talk about. Yeah, 100%. All right, Zach, let's take one last break here, and then we'll get to the final team in this Pacific Division, the Golden State Warriors. We'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. The best part is now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you are brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stables today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against our stables. You can even follow them in the app and we can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDuel.com and and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in a winner's circle. Play, race, win. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The Bengals defy the odds this season by reaching reaching the Super Bowl, but Cincinnati bettors fell one game short unless you were one of the smart bettors who sold on PropSwap. PropSwappers make huge profits last week when they sold their Bengals Super Bowl tickets, like Tim from Ohio, who sold his $100 40-1 Bengals ticket for a profit of $1,500 on PropSwap. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll find the best odds and collect the most money for your bets. Hurry and download the free PropSwap app today. 
PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering tickets based on the best value, a free activity fee to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash, and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit, and PropSwap will match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. And of course, last but certainly not least, make sure to download the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming off of the break, four teams down in this division. The final team, the Golden State Warriors, who came into this uh, off season, or sorry, into this season with a regular season win total of forty-seven and a half. Currently, they are the number two seed in the Eastern, sorry, the Western Conference, uh, six and a half games behind the Phoenix Suns, like we mentioned, with a record of forty-two and seventeen. Looks like they are going to eclipse that win total. Uh, easily this season their remaining strength of schedule uh they have the seventh hardest schedule remaining uh games against the memphis grizzlies against the miami heat the bucks the jazz uh two against dallas but zach i was high on this team coming in with the return of you know uh steph curry getting clay thompson back they did at the turn of the new year clay thompson looks like he's back in form as a splash brother they do get or are going to get Draymond Green back here fairly, um, fairly soon. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and also James Wiseman, we've seen that he's starting to practice a little bit with his team. Um, but again, number two team remain or the number two seed in the Western Conference. What's kind of been your um, opinion or your outlook for this team so far this season uh, for the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, I've been very up, very up and down with the Warriors. Um, at at some points, I'm like, okay, I'm convinced that they are this this great team that they've been playing like other times I want to, you know, make the tweet, you know, the Warriors are, aren't as good as we thought they were, as we think they are. Uh, they, we didn't think they were going to be this good coming into the season, although you did so credit to you for that. Um, look, they're just coming off a nine game winning streak. So you don't want to overreact, but in the month of February, things haven't been that great. Uh, they've lost four of five going into the all-star break, um, including not loss to the Knicks and the Clippers nuggets at home. Obviously that crazy game. So I'll, kick it to you Where, where's your concern level at for the for the for the the that la- those last five games coming to the all-star break after that nine game wing streak and then the Draymond situation it doesn't seem like he's going to be back right away it yeah looks like more of a wait and see type of thing so lose, lose four or five going into break what's your level of concern at yeah I think this was a uh team at least even for or mainly for Steph Curry where they just needed to get it to the all-star break and just needed a break especially a yeah. player like Steph Curry because you know he had the whole breaking the all-time three-point shots made record I think that was kind of lingering he was in a shooting slump um ever since then um and this I think that he as the leader and the best player on the team just needed a break here. And I think that we saw a more fun and more loose Steph Curry in the all-star game. And now he has a couple more days off here. They don't have a game till Thursday. Clay Thompson is back for this team. Um, I'm reading right now as a report as of five days ago that Draymond Green um, is going to, he's taking, uh, sorry, participating in the light activity on the court. They're going to ramp it up a little more post all-star break. And they're expecting uh, back some point, um, uh, in the second half of the season here, 
I, I really do want to see Draymond Green back with at least about 10 to 12 games left just to kind of give those big three uh, some time together on the court. And, you know, maybe it's muscle memory for them from the past where they've kind of played together and won, you know, 72 games and won championships together. But I, I, just, I do want to see at least Draymond, Steph, and Clay get some run together before the playoffs come in. You know, you're, you're going to eventually get James Wiseman back on the fold. But for me, I know what, what I'm going to get out of Steph Curry. I know what I'm going to get out of Clay Thompson. For me, it's going to be what am I going to get from the others, meaning guys like Andrew Wiggins, guys like Jordan Poole. Who's going to be those first couple guys coming off of the bench? Because we know that the rotations kind of shrink in the playoffs. Another guy that's kind of been on the shelf for them has been Andre Iguodala, who I think is going to be a big part yeah. of their run in the playoffs. And we've seen him. When he was with the Warriors, when they made their championship run, he was an integral part. He won the MVP you know, when they won one of their two titles. Um, but I think that he's going to be uh, where I'm seeing from uh, uh, Andre Iguodala is going to be at least sidelined for two more games. But having all those guys back, kind of building that chemistry and, and getting you know the run together or getting that chemistry together to go into the playoffs. Kind of going back to your question before I went on this round here, I'm not too concerned about the, them losing for the last five games. It was, for me, it was just about. Steph Curry just needing a break. I mean, you saw it in timeouts. He just looked exhausted. And I think yep. that you'll get a refresh, uh, uh, sorry, a refresh Steph Curry back. And with Clay back in the fold, I'm not worried about this Golden State Warriors team right now. Yeah, no, I mean, they have so many, they have so many options. Like you said, they have a ton of depth and they, they're, they're now kind of used to having Clay back. It's been, you know, what, 10, 15 games with him back. So yeah. he's settled in. He's looking really good, I think, as well as you could have expected. Um, and Steph, yes, that's carried a huge load this year. Glad that he'll have some rest. And I think, like you said, he did seem kind of he was gassed a little bit, a little, yeah, a little bit, a little bit drained. And now yeah. you get the All Star break to come back off it. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about how before Clay came back, it was a question of is Clay going to be in the closing five in the playoffs? It does seem like definitely yes. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. So I mean, who's that fifth guy to you? If they, if you, if you lock in Draymond, Clay. Steph and um, and Wiggins and maybe Wiggins isn't a lock either, but like yeah, they have, gonna they have, have to be so a much depth, right? I don't know. I mean, they like to play Draymond at center. Yeah. Wiggins maybe a little, Wiggins maybe a little bit small. Like I think Iguodala will factor in, in that conversation for sure. Yeah, Jordan Poole in some matchups, Gary Payton in some matchups, but yeah. they have like basically everybody on this roster is like somewhat part of the rotation. I mean, like I guess like JTA, Damian Lee, those guys are falling out, yeah. but. They're really they're really deep, but they have kind of a little bit spread out at the top, other than Steph um, and Draymond, obviously. But yeah, I mean, to me, to me, I, I I would put them, I would still have them right here. How how would you stack them like up against the Jazz, Grizzlies, uh, Mavericks, and Nuggets? The Warriors for from a playoff perspective, yeah. Uh, I would give me Warriors all day over all those teams. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I probably would agree with you. I mean, I think a series against Jazz would be interesting. We'll see what their levels at going into the playoffs, but probably would have them over Memphis, Dallas, and Denver for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's – I think to answer your question about who's going to be – I think it probably will be Andre Iguodala for me just because, you know, okay. these guys have played together in the past. And, and you know, uh, with Iggy, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Draymond, I think that's pretty formidable. Um, and the key for me is going to be defensively, uh, you know, Draymond Green, one of the better defenders or the best defenders in the league. Um, and I want to see what I get defensively from Andrew Wiggins and those guys as well. We know Iggy can be on, on a given night, can be a good defender. Um, maybe the miles are racking up for Andre Iguodala a little bit, but again, the question is going to be 
it's from a rotation perspective. Outside of those five guys, I'll ask you this, uh, uh, Zach. Off the bench, who do you think is going to be? Is going to be Jordan Poole? Is going to be Otto Porter? Is going to be Kaminga? Who do you think is going to be that kind of that six, seven, eight guys for this Warriors team? Yeah, I think it's those three. Uh, Kaminga's okay. been really intriguing recently. Uh, yeah. Obviously, like the, the some of the flashes are so exciting, and then Porter and Poole. Um, gotta like those guys. Looks like Gary Payton's gonna stick in the starting lineup. So yeah, to me, it would probably be Porter, Poole, Kaminga, and Iguodala as like the four guys that actually play off the bench in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're really they're really deep, but like their depth isn't. They're, they're the the amount of depth they have is amazing, but like they don't have those true high end guys. Maybe Jordan Poole can be that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm I'm intrigued. Just uh, again, another team I want to see once they get in. They have that experience, right? They have a play style in the playoffs that they've seen work. And yeah. when they get Draymond playing center for all this time, they're gonna have a lot less Looney, a lot more Draymond at center, and that formula basically changed like the NBA yeah, with, with yeah. how electric it was in their play style. So if they can get back to that, they, they have, they have a style that they know works in the postseason, and everybody should be afraid of for sure. Yeah. Right now the Warriors are tied with uh, two other teams as the title uh, favorites with Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets at plus 425 at the conference. Okay. Um, right now, the uh, Phoenix Suns and I mean, you could say Phoenix Suns and Warriors are pretty much the, Tied as the favorites at plus 180 or the Suns and plus 185 for the Warriors. Um, anything else for this team, uh, Zach, for the Warriors that you maybe want to discuss? Uh, no, I, the the Draymond injury is the one thing I'll keep an eye on because it doesn't yeah. seem like he doesn't seem like there's any set timeline on that. And that's always an interesting situation. Yeah, it's something definitely keep an eye on for this Warriors team because he is kind of the catalyst on both ends. Um, of the basketball floor for uh, the uh, sorry, the Golden State Warriors here. So that is the fifth and final team of this Pacific division. Um, it kind of fell in right where, you know, we were talking about the divisions prior to earlier this season um, and kind of tied in very nicely for us that we had this last division left and with CP three uh, injury kind of tied in nicely. So uh, hopefully we guys gave you, we gave you some good information here about this Pacific division. Um, anything else, Zach, for this Pacific division overall, I think it's going to be a great, you know, storylines to keep track of with now Phoenix Suns without CP3, the Warriors eventually getting back Draymond, and now uh, what your Lakers, I'm going to call them your Lakers now, what the Lakers are <laughs> going to be able to do um, without Anthony Davis. And now the, the spotlight is on LeBron James now. No, I'm, I'm definitely not a Lakers fan by any means. I just, uh, for some <laughs> for some reason, hitching my wagon. And, but yeah, between Phoenix, Golden State, and the, and the Lakers, you have you know three of the most intriguing teams for the postseason. Um, what what they can do for the Lakers' case, can they get there? Um, so looking looking forward to tracking all these teams, and I think that that wraps up the divisional series, right? So we're just full yeah. steam ahead with uh, getting ready for these uh, matchups in the in the playoffs and the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, uh, a great All Star weekend. We have about uh, twenty about we could say an average of twenty three games left for uh, most teams here as we kind of wind down. It's crazy to say the NBA season, but still plenty of basketball left. Again, we're going to be here all uh, playoffs long as we kind of get into the uh, where these teams kind of stack up. Eastern Conference is going to be a lot of fun to watch because those first through six teams are separated by a couple games there. So a lot of great NBA basketball left, a lot of things to keep an eye on. We're definitely we're going to be here all season long for the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Zach, anything else, man, before we wrap it up here, buddy? No, nah, uh, you know, looking forward to getting this episode out and then game start up again Thursday, so can't wait. 
Yeah, definitely. It's Monday right now, so we still have about two more days left before we get back into the NBA action. But, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, we will probably be back not till Thursday, till the first round of games, uh, as we tip off the final uh, fourth of the season here uh, for the NBA season. Uh, Zach and I'm sorry, uh, Scott and uh, Terrell will be there for Thursday, and then I think me, yeah. Scott, and uh, Terrell will be there on Friday as McKee is taking a well-deserved vacation uh, this Friday. So we'll be filling in for him. So um, with that being said, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Look for us on Thursday and Friday as we kind of get back into rhythm, breaking down all the games as we usually do. Uh, Follow Zach on Twitter at NBA Zach B. You can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. If you haven't already, download the SGPN app at SportsNerd824. Sorry, 824. SGPN app on your Google, <laughs> Google Play Store or App Store. Uh, just put in uh, SGPN. You'll see the black and red logo come up. Uh, make sure to leave a read, rating and review for the app as well as follow us on Twitter at SGPNNBA. Uh, like I said, we'll be back Thursday and Friday. Until then, let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball. Get it, get it, get the ball because I'm going to. Basketball, get it, get it, get it, the ball, because I'm gonna